I invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Haggai. The book of Haggai, this is going to be the last lesson in a very short but powerful little prophet right at the end of our uh, Old Testament. And as I've prepared these messages and, and in our daily Bible reading, we're reading in Habakkuk and other of the prophets, and it, I can't help but compare Israel to America today. The similarities are just, uh, they're just right there, which goes to show me that even though uh, Haggai was written some 500 years before Jesus was born, uh, human nature hasn't changed. Uh, we are, we tend to drift away from God. We tend to put our priorities over God's priorities. And so the lessons that God tries to teach Israel through these prophets are very much lessons that we uh, can learn today. So as we get busy with our lives and we get busy doing uh, living life, a lot of times God's kingdom work gets put to the side, doesn't it? Uh, we, we get busy with business. We get busy raising the kids. We get busy uh, with, with ball games and sports and hobbies and keeping the garden cut and keeping the, or the garden weeded and keeping the grass mowed, and, and kingdom work sometimes takes uh, a back seat to that, and that had happened in Israel. They were busy building their houses and their lives, and they had let God's house go unfinished. And, and not only that, God gets them fired up, and they go to work, and they'd been working about a month, and they got discouraged. They started looking at that temple, and they said, this temple is pitiful compared to Solomon's temple. Remember, the Israelites had been in captivity about 70 years. So there were people there in Jerusalem that remembered Solomon's temple. And maybe even Haggai had seen Solomon's temple. We don't know. But for whatever reason, they started saying, this is pitiful. And, and this, is, this is just, and they got discouraged. And, and God reminded them that, hey, you're doing kingdom work. I am with you. It's not the grandeur of the temple that matters. What matters in a temple is whether or not I'm there. And he says, I'm going to fill this temple with my glory. And he says, as a matter of fact, this temple, when it's all said and done, is going to have more glory than Solomon's temple. And that's because Jesus was going to fill this temple. This temple that's built now would be the same temple that Herod would renovate uh, during Jesus' day. It took him 46 years to finish it. It was just a splendid uh, example of architecture. Herod the Great was known for his building projects. And... Uh, so that would be the temple Jesus would teach in and work in. And so this temple would actually be great. And so God had to remind them, you guys get to work. And just like Israel, we tend to put God's work on the back burner. Quite often when we get busy working for God, Satan's not going to settle for that, is he? We have to understand as God pe God's people, as old new hope starts to grow and as old new hope starts to get out and reach our community, Satan's not going to be happy with that. He's going to try to discourage us. And we need to recognize that for what it is, just like Israel needed to remember that God was there, and that's all they needed, we need to remember the same thing, that if we're doing kingdom work, we are doing God's work. And so last week, remember God told, we, we said, or week before last, we said, God says, you guys need to look up when you get discouraged. Look up and see me. Look up and see my presence. Look up and remember, I made a covenant with you. I am your God. You are my people. Remember my promises. I promise to take care of you. I promise to bless you. 
I promise to show you good things when you do what you're supposed to do. He says, I, 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 this is my provision. I'm the one that owns the gold and the silver. You think this, this temple is, is pitiful. God says, I can make it as grand as I want to make it because all the stuff belongs to me anyway. So when we get discouraged, we need to learn to look up and, and see where God is. But then last week we talked about not only do we need to look up, we need to look in. God says, you need to make sure that you are right with me. A lot of times as Christians, we get to worrying about what this person does and what that person does. Oh, so-and-so, they needed to hear this sermon. That would have been a perfect sermon for them. And what we need to do is not worry about them, but think about us. Where are we with the Lord? We need to look inward. Uh, having a strong, healthy church starts with having a strong, healthy me and a strong, healthy you. And so we need to look in. And today, in our last three verses of this book, we're going to see that we need to look up forward, look forward into the future. So beginning in verse 20 of Haggai chapter 2. And again the word of the Lord came to Haggai on the 24th day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake heaven and earth. I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I will destroy the strength of the Gentile kingdoms. I will overthrow the chariots and those who ride in them. The horses and the riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Sheltiel, says the Lord. I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, says the Lord of hosts. So when we look at this message, we understand that this message came to Haggai the same time as the one we looked at last week. It happened on December 18, 520 B.C. And while the previous message was to the people, this message is to Zerubbabel, the leader, their governor. Uh, the people were concerned about their crops. They were concerned about their hopes. They were concerned about their livelihood. And God reminded them last week that, hey, y'all, the seed's not in the barn. Uh, I, the, the fruit hasn't been brought in yet. If you'll bless me, I'm going to bless you in, in ways that you've never imagined. Well, this week's message is to the leaders. Zerubbabel had a different thought in mind. He had different concerns. He was concerned about the national economy. He was concerned about where does Israel fit in with all the other nations in the world? What does the big picture look like? Remember, Israel is still under Persian dominance. Uh, whereas Babylon would take the captive, captives to Babylon and make them good little Babylonians, the per Persians believed in keeping their people in their country and just let those people pay taxes to the home country. And so Cyrus let the Israelites go back, but they are still very much a captive people. They are still very much a people under Persian rule. So Zerubbabel had that thought in mind because... What happened, what brought the final captivity, uh, or the, the, the Jews into captivity in Babylon the last time, uh, the Babylonians took the Jews back in three different deportations. The first one they took Daniel, and the best of the what the Jewish young men had to offer. They came back ten years later. Well, then ten years after that, the Zedekiah, the Jewish king, thought it would be a real good idea to rebel against Babylon. And so Nebuchadnezzar says, we're not having that. And he took 
the rest of them captive. Coming forward 70 years, Zerubbabel's got to say, are we going to stay, we're going to keep paying Persia their taxes? Or do we trust God to let us be independent? What do we do? So Zerubbabel has a different thought process than the rest of the people. That's what I want us to see and understand. So God has to answer Zerubbabel's concerns as well. And God not only tells the people last week that I am with you, this week God tells Zerubbabel that he is with him as well. And so when we look in verses uh, 21 and 22 where he says, I will shake the heaven, I will shake the kingdoms, this picks up where Haggai left off in chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. This idea of kingdom shaking, God says, I'm not done yet. God shook some kingdoms in the days of these folks. Uh, the Assyrians were a major power that came to be, and they took Israel captive in 721 B.C. But God raised up Babylon to overthrow Assyria. Babylon took the Jews captive, captive, destroyed the temple in 587, 586 B.C. But Babylon's not in control anymore. Persia's in control. God says, I've set these kingdom up, kingdoms up for my purposes. I've used them for what I need to use them for. God says, I will take them down as well. And he says, by the way, I'm not done shaking. And he will indeed. Before long, Persia's going to fall to Alexander the Great. Y'all remember him? Alexander the Great and the Greeks, the Greek culture. And then it wasn't long after that when the Romans conquered the Greeks. And during the days of the Roman kings, Jesus Christ came. And, and some of these prophecies that Haggai is making were going to be fulfilled. But God tells Zerubbabel, I'm not done shaking yet. I'm still in control. And he's basically reminding him, even though Cyrus is your leader, even though Cyrus is the king that's in charge, God basically says, I put Cyrus on the throne, I can take Cyrus off the throne. I put Persia in world dominance, I can take Persia away. He did it to Egypt, didn't he? But the story of the Israelites coming out of Egypt is amazing to me. The, not only did the Israelites leave Egypt, the people of Egypt gave them all their gold and silver to leave, paid them to leave. And so not only did they leave Egypt, they left with all Egypt's stuff. They plundered Egypt just as much as if they had taken it over in a military coup. God took care of them. God continues to rise, raise people up and to bring people down. And so that's what he tells Zerubbabel. Kingdoms put their trust in chariots. Kingdoms put their trust in their armies. God says, what you really need to put your trust in is me. Uh, and we can learn that lesson today. As powerful as America is as a country, if God decides it's time for America to be done, America's going to be done. Uh, my, my hope and my prayer is that God will show mercy on America as America repents. But our, our military might doesn't mean anything. God doesn't... Uh, God's not afraid of nuclear weapons, and God's not afraid of whatever we might rise up. God is in control, and we need to remember that. One of these days, by the way, God's not finished shaking. God raises up kingdoms today just like he raised them up in Bible days. He will continue to do that until sometime in the future, 
When God's ready, Jesus is going to come back into the clouds and call his people home. We call that the rapture, and then the end of, end of the world's going to come. End times will usher in. And before that, before the very end of time, Jesus is going to set up a kingdom here on earth for a thousand years where he's going to rule, he's going to reign. That time's coming. God's still in the shaking business. Nobody shakes and bakes like God does, amen? We need to remember that. He tells the Zerubbabel, you need to remember that. Verse 23, in that day when all is said and done and Jesus is on his throne, Zerubbabel can take confidence and comfort into two promises of God. God says, Zerubbabel, you're going to be like a signet ring to me. Now that doesn't mean much to us today. We look at that like it's a piece of jewelry. So people have, men and women have signet rings that they wear. In Haggai's day, in, in, the, in, in, in ancient history, a signet ring would be dipped in wax. And the king, instead of signing his signature, he had a very individual, unique signet ring. And that signet ring, he would put it in wax, and that would be his signature to enact laws and enact different things that needed to be done for the people. Zerubbabel says, God, you're going to be my signet ring. What God is telling him is that you're, going to, you're in charge, Zerubbabel. I've chosen you. How would you feel if you realized that there was a great ministry that the Lord needed to have done and he lays it on your heart and he says, you're going to be the one that's going to run this ministry. Remember, that's what he told Moses. He said, uh, Moses, I'm going to bring my people out of Egypt. And he said, you're going to be the man that's going to go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses says, who, me? That's probably the way he said it. Me? I'm going before Pharaoh? Have you lost your mind? He says, I, I can't speak. And I, who am I to, to do this ministry? He told Jonah to go to Nineveh. He says, Jonah, I want you to go to the capital of Assyria. And you're going to tell them they need to repent or I'm going to destroy them. Jonah doesn't like that idea and he goes the other way. Syria's over this way, Jonah goes this way. And he ends up in the belly of a fish. And there he is. I, I wonder when he was sitting there if Jonah ever thought, well, boy, what a fine mess I've gotten myself into now. He never dreamed he'd end up in the belly of a fish. And Jonah prays out to God, and Jonah, God says, can you hear me now, Jonah? I've got a ministry for you to do. You go to Nineveh and you tell them what I told you to tell them. And so the fish takes Jonah up to the beach and vomits him up. And there Jonah is, bleached with the acids of the fish's belly, seaweed dangling off his nose. And there he goes into Nineveh to do the ministry that God wanted him to do. God is telling Zerubbabel that I've chosen, you're going to be my signet ring. You are my authority. You are speaking for me. Where I speak, you speak. And then he says in, in verse uh, 
23. In that day, says the Lord of uh, says the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Sheltiel, says the Lord. I will make you like a signet ring. That's the first promise. Then he says, I've chosen you. I've picked you. God made David a promise hundreds of years before this. A lot of times we don't study that covenant with David as much as we should. God made a covenant with, with Moses. He made a covenant with Abraham. He made a lot of different covenants. He told David, he said, David, I'm going to put a descendant of yours on the throne in Jerusalem that he's going to reign forever. And so when David died, his son Solomon took over. When Solomon died, Solomon's son Rehoboam took over. And that lineage continued until the children of Israel went off into Babylonian captivity. And in Jeremiah 22, 24, we won't read it, but you can go back and read it at home if you want to in a little while. God says, I'm cutting off the signet ring right now. He says, I'm ending this, this dynasty. The people are going into captivity. Seventy years later, God is telling Zerubbabel, you are now my, I'm giving you my signet ring. I'm picking up that covenant I made with David. You are my chosen one. David is, Zerubbabel is in the lineage of David. Zerubbabel is also in the lineage of Jesus. And Zerubbabel's son and grandsons and so forth would kind of be leading Israel. And, and that's going to look differently. They didn't have a king anymore. Uh, Israel, for the most part, was a captive nation to different people, to the Persians, to the Syrians, to the Greeks, to different people. So the leadership role would look different. But someone in that lineage all the way down to Jesus Christ, was on the throne of Jerusalem. And so what God is telling Zerubbabel, and he's telling the rest of the nation too, is that y'all need to look forward. It's not just about today, it's about what's coming in the future. What about us? You know, that's a great lesson for them way back four or five hundred years before Jesus came. What does that have to do with 2021? It has quite a bit. Because let me tell you what, when you get discouraged, you need to look up. You need to realize God is there. God is on His throne. God is ruling. God is powerful. God has promised us a lot of promises. And just one of those promises is in John 14 when He says, I go to prepare a place for you. We read about the promises in Revelation 21. In the new heaven and new earth, there'll be no darkness, there'll be no tears, there'll be no sorrow. And you know what, y'all? When God makes a promise, God's going to keep it. So we need to look up. We also need to look in. We need to check ourselves with God. God, where am I with you? Search my heart. Know my heart. If there's something there that's offensive to you, let me know got a question for you this morning. It's not going to be a comfortable question, but it's a question that needs asking because I've asked myself this question all week too. And that is, is there unconfessed sin in your heart you need to get right with God? God can't bless you if that unconfessed sin is there. You need to look in. You need to make yourself right with Him. But then today we need to look forward too. Or also, English language is difficult. We need to look forward also and realize that 
The here and now is not all that there is. You know what? I woke up this morning. I was tired. I could have slept a little bit. How about y'all? I could have slept some more this morning. I, I have some aches and pains. And, and some of y'all's got aches and pains. And can I tell you some good news? This isn't all there is. It gets better. There's a time that's coming in the future. Just like God says to Zerubbabel, in that day, I want you to picture in that day, in that day, you and I are going to stand in the presence of Jesus. In that day, you and I are going to be re reunited with our loved ones who own, who, know, who, who are Christ followers. In that day, I'm convinced we're still going to be working, but God takes the work out of work. See, God told Adam and Eve in Eden long before sin, they had to work. They had a job. Their, their job was to take care of the garden. It's when sin fell, that's when work came into work. That's when the rocks got in the ground and the thorns and pain. And we're, going to have, we're going to have a purpose in that day. In that day, we're going to be worshiping God forever. In that day, we're not going to be sick anymore. In that day, you're not going to be achy anymore. In that day, we get to be with Jesus. Not for an hour on Sunday morning. We get to be with Jesus forever. Isn't that cool? When we get discouraged, we need to look forward. Because let me tell you something. Even if all of our life here is difficult, Oh, and I, before I say that, let me, let me back up, take the horse back a step or two. Every one of us sitting here has a better life than 90% of our world. We realize that? We are wealthier. You say, what about our homeless problem? We have a homeless problem. But our homeless people have food in this country. Starvation generally is not an issue we deal with in this country. In Africa, and a lot of times we think Africa is the country. Africa is the continent. A lot of different countries in Africa. But in Africa as a whole, one out of four people are malnourished because they don't get enough to eat. One in four. There are mothers this morning trying to make a decision, what child are they going to feed today? Because they've only got food to feed one child. So we've already got it made compared to a lot of the world. But even at that, even if our life is tough, our life is just temporary. This earthly life. Think about it, even if you live 95 years, and we would also say, we would all say that's a good long life, right? If we live 95 years in the scheme of eternity, that's nothing but a blink of an eye. It's just for a little while. God, Jesus says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. One day you're going to be with, I'm going to come back to get you, and you are going to be with me forever with God. I don't know about you, but now that, that turned, I, I like that now. That's better than Reese's Cup and hot banana pudding. We went to a 
restaurant Friday night, and we were eating, and uh, they had banana pudding, homemade banana pudding. And the pan was empty, and I noticed everybody in that restaurant was looking at that pan. Well, in a minute, here come this lady with a pan of banana pudding, and you'd have thought that whole restaurant, and me included, never saw banana pudding in there, because we all went after that banana pudding. It wasn't long that pan was empty, too. But can I tell you something? Living with Jesus forever is going to be better than hot banana pudding. <laughs> and you know what the great thing about living with Jesus is, is that pan's never going to be empty, amen? amen? It's going to be full all the time. Living water, bread of life. That's where we're headed. You know what? I can deal with whatever I have to deal with right here, but I know this isn't it. The saddest part of a lot of people's lives is, is this is the best it's going to get. I was uh, talking to one of my inmates the other day, and I said, uh, how are you doing? He said, well, you know what? He said, I'm hot. He said, you see this sweat? He said, I'm sweating. But he said, I thought of something. He said, because I'm a Christian, this is the closest to hell I'll ever get. <laughs> Isn't that an amen? amen? But you know what's sad? Is that in spite of how bad things are in our world right now, for those folks that don't know Jesus, this is the closest thing to heaven they'll ever see. Let that sink in for you a little bit. Then we wonder why do we get involved with ministries like Operation Christmas Child? Why do we worry about going witnessing? Why do we worry about door knocking? It's because people's eternal souls are at stake. Charles, I was listening to Charles Stanley yesterday. I about decided if that boy keeps at it, he'll make a good preacher. But uh, he got to the end of his, his message, and as he was bringing his concluding thoughts, he started talking about how long eternity is going to be. If, if people are lost in eternity, he said forever and ever and ever. And ever and ever and ever, it never ever ends. Isn't that awful? Now, praise be to the Lord if you're a Christ follower, you, you, your forever is going to be with the Lord. But boy, shouldn't that get us busy while we're here? God could have taken us home. I've had a lot of times in my life with all this mess I've had wrong with my heart. God could have said, Andy, I'm done with you. Come home, child. You're done. He's, he's left me here. He's left you here for this unique time and place. Just like the people of Haggai today, y'all, we need to put our lives on the back burner and put kingdom work on the front burner. We need to get busy. We need to get busy building his kingdom, not our kingdom. We need to get busy sharing his word. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. We've got a limited amount of time to get that job done. We need to get busy doing it. When we get busy doing it, the devil's going to try to discourage us. We need to realize and recognize that's what he's doing. Now next, next Sunday, Brother Bob Hammer will be here. The Sunday after that, we're going to start a four-part series on the temptation of Jesus. And how, how the... How, I'm, we're moving forward here at Old New Hope. 
How is it that Satan's going to try to tempt us? And we need to recognize him, how he works. and what. He, so we're going to look at Jesus' temptations. It's going to take us about four weeks to do that. We need to put the devil's thoughts behind us. Remember when the devil tries to discourage us, God says, I'm here. Look to me. Remember when Peter stepped out on the water and says, Jesus, can I come to you? And Jesus says, come on, and therefore Peter, he's walking on the water. And all of a sudden, Scripture says he saw the waves. And he felt the wind. He took his eyes off of Jesus. When we take our eyes off of Jesus, y'all, the devil's going to find a toehold. We need to keep that out. Let's pray. My Father in heaven, thank you for loving us. Thank you for this message that Haggai has given us. And I just pray that as we examine our lives, you would help us realize where in our lives our, our priorities have gotten out of whack. Help us to see what we need to adjust in our life to put you on our front burner. Father, I pray that when we get discouraged, we would take our eyes off of whatever it is that's discouraging us and, and put our eyes back on you, Father. And and I pray as we sing this invitation song that your Holy Spirit would work on our hearts. I pray that you would show us what our next step is, Father. And I pray that you would give us the confidence to take that next step this very morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. amen.